From Booksmart Studios, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. Have yourself I'm John McWhorter. A merry little Christmas. And just listen to that. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. That's Frank Sinatra, of course. Notice how he doesn't strain as he goes up. That's one of the joys of his voice. In any case, that song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, originally from the film Meet Me in St. Louis, and the music and lyrics are by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine, is for my sweetie, whose favorite Christmas song that is, but it's also a linguistics lesson, as she has taught me. For example, why not just have a Merry Christmas? What does have yourself a merry little Christmas mean? Why the yourself? We're going to have a lot of music in this one. We're going to do Lexicon Valley old school. It's been that long, folks. We're going into year eight with me hosting this show. But the music going old style where it was more than just a couple songs is going to help us understand the neatness of this seemingly boring little word self in English or Englishes. You'll see. It starts with this. It's about English losing a nuance that other Western European languages and just European languages have, tend to have. And that is a certain way of using the pronoun. And so, for example, in French, when you say, I remember, if you're doing schoolboy French, you would say, je souviens. Okay, so I remember. But no, it's je me souviens. And that doesn't mean I am remembering myself. I have an image of myself in there. It's that remembering is something that you do. It's something going on inside you. And so je me souviens. Now, you can certainly say something like je me lave les mains. And that is I am washing my hands, except you say I'm washing the hands to me. That's one thing. But je me souviens doesn't make sense in English, but it's the way that you do it in French with that and lots and lots and lots of other verbs. It's that redundant reflexiveness, you could call it. German, I remember. Ich erinnere mich. Well, what's the mich? Again, it's not I'm remembering myself. It's that the remembering is inside. That goes on in one European language after another. It's this little nuance. I found, at least in my experience, it wasn't well taught. There isn't any one name for it. You just have to kind of get a sense of it. But it's there. So I might say in English, I shaved. This morning, I shaved. I didn't, actually. But this morning, I shaved. I wouldn't say this morning, I shaved myself. Like, what else did I shave? My cat? You know, I shaved. But in an ordinary European language, you shave yourself. And so, um, je me suis rasé. I shaved in French, not je rase. I'm shaving. And notice I cannot help switching to that Charles Boyer voice for French, but not je rase. Because then, of course, it would be, well, what are you shaving? Back when I was about 
I would have been 12. Some friends of mine had a friend, and she was a young lady who had grown up somewhere in the Caribbean where she had grown up speaking both English and Spanish. It wasn't Puerto Rico. It wasn't the Dominican Republic. It was somewhere smaller, and I forget where it was. She was a black woman, for the record, and she could speak both. But I could tell, and I didn't know anything about linguistics at the time, but I could kind of tell from snippets that her English was stronger than her Spanish, that she had grown up mainly in English and that Spanish was kind of the second language. And looking back just at snippets of things that she said, I know that one indication of it was that we were somewhere and she was saying, I want to go. And she said, quiero ir. I want to go, ir. But actually, quiero irme. You want to go yourself in Spanish. It's that nuance. That showed that Spanish for her, you know, she spoke it, but it was her second language. Old English, unlike modern English, was a normal language. And so it had these redundant reflexive pronouns that don't make sense from the perspective of how we speak English now. And so, for example, if we want to say in Old English, he looked at one of his men. At one of his men, Old English voice is to anum his mana. That's at one of his men, to anam his mana. He looked at one of his men is, Bazeahehina, to anam his mana. So, he looked, he looked at, Bazeahehina. Well, what's all that? The he is he. Bazeah is looked. Hina is him. So, he looked him at one of his men. Makes no sense for us, but looking is something rather internal. You kind of look yourself in Old English. One that makes a little bit more sense in the Wycliffe Bible. We're in the 1300s. And so, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the face of the Lord God. The way it was put, I don't have a Middle English voice. So, Adam and his wife hidden him from the face of the Lord God. This is the thing, him meant both him and them. So they're hiding them. Basically, it's Adam and his wife hid them from the face of the Lord God. But it's not like they were hiding their children or their cats or something. It meant themselves. Now, today we would say Adam and his wife hid from the face of the Lord God. They went behind a tree. But even in Middle English, Adam and his wife hid them, meaning themselves. That's just the way it went. After Middle English, English stopped doing reflexive redundancy in that way. Now, we only do the reflexive when it's explicit, when to us it makes sense. I hurt myself, something like that. Or I thought about myself and the things that I had gone through. That's when we use the reflexive. But notice that we don't say, I hurt me. You don't say, I thought about me the way you would in old and even middle English. We have to add this self. We have to put it right there and make it clear. But beyond that, we don't do it. And so there are a couple of expressions in English. Actually, I think it's three, maybe four, where we're doing it in the old school way. But now they're just exceptional. They're idioms. And so behave yourself. Now, you can say, oh, behave, of course. But you can say also behave yourself. Well, who else are you going to behave? That is a remnant of when you would say he looked himself at his men and things like that. You perjure yourself. You don't want to repeat yourself. But those are odd things. They just got kind of stuck. Like if you've got a colander full of raspberries and you pour the raspberries out and there are going to be a few of them that are stuck at the bottom of the colander. As usual with modern English, there is an irritation with nuance. Modern English tends to leave things out that 
other Western and European languages often put in. And it's because of English's history of being acquired by adult Vikings for a certain long period of time after 787 CE. I still want to say AD. But that means that there's this irritation of nuance. And you know what? While we're at it, folks, did anybody say that but me? I say, well, there's an irritation with nuance. And I feel like I'm getting it from somebody else about 20 years ago, but I can't remember. And I'm going to use this little phrase, irritation of nuance, in my next book. But I want to know if I should credit anyone. Does anybody know where I'm getting that? Is the person who I'm getting this from, if I am getting it from somebody listening to this, please let me know because I can't find it online. Online, it looks like only I said it, but I think I got it from someone else. It's interesting. Where there is still that redundant reflexive without the self, it's archaic. And so now I lay me down to sleep instead of now I lay myself down to sleep. But today, you know, it's going to be that now I, well, I I guess, remember the episode about lie and lay? Now I lie down to sleep instead of laying myself down to sleep. Lay me down, that's old. Or there's one in Shakespeare that is extremely confusing these days. It's in Love's Labor's Lost, and somebody talks about, study me how to please the eye. And what they mean by that is, I'm going to study how to please the eye. Study me how to please the eye. Now, we hear it and we think, well, maybe the person is saying that somebody should teach them how to please the eye. But no, what they're saying is, I'm going to study myself up on how to please the eye. This is one of those things that makes me think that Shakespeare needs to be not translated, but adjusted. That is hard to make sense of when it just goes right by. But for example, in Russian, study, one way of saying is uchus, where the is self. It's the reflexive marker. You study yourself, but it's not that you're looking in a mirror. It's that studying is kind of interior. And so that's the way it goes. English is odd in that we don't have that redundant reflexive. So it means that if you hear a song like this from George Gershwin and Ira Gershwin's Let Em Eat Cake, their magnificent satirical musical of 1933 that was a sequel to the big hit of The I Sing. This show was a flop, although it had a better score. Here's one song from it. It's called I Brushed My Teeth. It's short, but I think it's very catchy and it's very useful here. Listen. I brushed my teeth and washed my face and had a fine shampoo. What more can a general do when his shoots are on review? See, the thing with that is that's a weird European language where you're not saying, I brushed myself the teeth. And so, for example, in Spanish, me cepillé los dientes. And so, me, me, to me, brushed, I brushed, cepillé los dientes. I brushed me the teeth. So, I brushed my teeth and I washed my face and I combed my hair and I... All of that would be with the redundant reflexive in a normal language of English's region, but that's just not the way the modern language does it. If you want, by the way, a bonus segment on selfness, then go to booksmartstudios.org and just click on Lexicon Valley. If we use 
the reflexive, and yes, we're, we're getting back to Merry Little Christmas. If we use the reflexive beyond those few weird cases like behave yourself, perjure yourself, and repeat yourself, we can do it, but it conveys a shade. It gives a little bit of attitude. It conveys a nuance. And specifically, that nuance is that you're calling attention, you're shining a little flashlight on the fact that what you're doing is going to be for your benefit, or you're telling somebody to do something for their benefit. Suppose you say a woman got herself a pretty boyfriend. And I don't know what kind of sentence that is, but a woman got herself a handsome boyfriend. Okay, she could just say, I got a handsome boyfriend. I got myself a handsome boyfriend means that it's a benefit to you. It's something that you got for yourself. It worked well. And here's where you have have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's like you're poking somebody in the chest and saying, have yourself a merry little Christmas. You deserve it. You've had a hard year. You're giving them a shoulder rub or a bunch of farmer's market beats or something. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. And we can even do it without the self. There are ways of doing it, but it still has that meaning. What comes to mind is um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. No musical of that, by the way, so don't worry. But Tennessee Williams play. And there's this one scene where poor Big Daddy knows that he's dying. And he talks about how he's going to go out and try to sow his wild oats again before he dies. And he says... I'm going to cut loose and have, what is it they call it? Have me a ball. Okay, why can't he just have a ball? Instead, it's have me a ball. Have himself a ball, the benefit, like he's going to have a good meal, something like that. Whereas the contrast is with lay me down. So now I lay me down to sleep. That's archaic. It doesn't mean I'm going to lay my damn self down and yawn and relax. I'm going to do myself a favor. It just means I'm going to lie down. Well, I did it without thinking. Lie down. Because I really think that we need to stop with the lie and the lay. I think, yeah, I'm getting it just like you have to say Billy and I went to the store. In any case, you know that weird voice that I was just doing with the, have me a ball. What I'm trying to do is imitate Burl Ives. Burl Ives was the original Big Daddy. He did it in the unfortunate but often well-acted movie. Maybe many of us are more familiar with Burl Ives as the snowman in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He, he looks like Burl Ives, and that's Burl Ives' voice. He had a wonderful voice, and you've actually heard it a lot on this show if you're a longtime listener, because he sings the song that I used to play when I was going to let loose with vulgarity and profanity, Fupa Wupa John. And you know, Let's hear Fupa Wupa John just because it's the end of the year and you get to hear Burl Ives. Short song, one of my favorite cuts in the history of recorded sound. Softly, kick a tree, Fupa Wupa Fupa Wupa. Softly, kick a tree, Fupa Wupa John. Softly, kick a tree in the middle of the sea. Well, John. Oh, 
John. You know, there are more lyrics to that. Like one of them is, saw a crow flying low, whoopa 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 whoopa, saw a crow flying low, whoopa whoopa John, saw a crow flying low, several miles beneath the snow. Whoa. <laughs> that is the last time I'm ever going to imitate Burl Ives. In any case, this is the story of self. Words have extended meanings. We always think, well, it's what's in the dictionary, but no, each word that's at all interesting is a little diagram where you start with the central meaning and then there are all these radiations outward. Self, for example, also makes things exclusive. It means that you're focusing attention upon one person. And so, for example, I'm going to do this by myself. I'll do it myself. Keep it among yourselves. You're closing in the circle. It was the perpetrator himself. It's the self-same thing. So there, you're not talking about a person. It's a thing. But once again, self narrows things down, that exclusivity. It's another meaning of self. Then there are other selfie things. It's a very interesting little word. If self is about the reflexive, you're kind of bringing it all back in upon yourself, and it is bringing in a circle of attention, it's focusing, it's making things exclusive, then you might imagine that in some kinds of English, self would be used to convey a self-inflated kind of self-image, even if it's from the outside. So in many across-the-ocean English dialects, UK, Ireland, etc., oh, himself is in the room now. Well, why don't you ask himself? You don't say myself, or at least I think only a psychopath would, but you talk about, oh, well, that's himself. That's non-standard. Or another interesting example is, think about in French, and so the word for self is mem. You do it yourself, you do it, <laughs> you're mem, right? But you can also use mem in another way. And so let's say that there's a robot. The robot can eat, the robot can urinate, the robot can play the glockenspiel, and the robot can even talk. Well, in French, il a même parlé doesn't mean he talked himself. It means he even talked. Il a même parlé. It makes a certain sense because, once again, you're bringing the circle in. So not only can it eat, not only can it pee, not only can it play a rather unpleasant instrument, but it also can talk. Even that, it's self-talk, self-same, and that usage of mem are really variations on the same thing. This is why that's interesting. You find the same thing in most English Creole languages that are part of the family of Creole languages that emerged probably in Barbados and are now spoken all over the Caribbean and the surrounding region, and then later were transported to West Africa, where they form the basis of what is now Creole in Sierra Leone, Nigerian quote-unquote pidgin, which is actually a full Creole language, and Cameroonian pidgin, which again is a full Creole language. I actually think all of that began on the West African coast, went to the Caribbean, and then went back to the West African coast, but that's a rant that need not concern us here. You might want to read or skim my book, The Missing Spanish Creoles, to hear my truly ingenious theory about this, but let's pretend it started in the Caribbean. Point being that there is an expression in those languages that would really throw you unless you had experience with learning it and seeing it used in context. So, Jamaican Patois. And Jamaicans, I'm sorry that I'm not going to say this right, but he even had another horse. 
just as ordinary sense. He even had another horse. Nay. Okay. Imha one next hasself. Imha, he had. Imha, another horse. One next has. A next horse. That's another horse in Jamaican Patois. It straddles the line between being a different language and being a dialect of English. You really cannot decide one or the other. It depends on sociopolitics, etc. But imhawa next hasself. If I say that to you, you don't know what that means, but all these are English words. So imhawa next hasself. Well, what's the self? What's horse self? And it doesn't mean he himself had a horse. <laughs> Why would you say that? He himself had a horse. What that means is he even had another horse. Imhawa next hasself. It's used in that same way, probably in those Creoles, not because of French, but because Irish does that too. It's something that can happen to a self. It comes to mean even in that elusive way. And then there's another example of this. I guess the best way to illustrate this is to just play it. There was a sitcom back in the 90s, and it was basically friends before friends and with black people. To be honest, I think living single was every bit as good as friends and sometimes better. I saw almost every episode. The show has always been missed. Queen Latifah was the lead, and Kim Fields, who became famous as roller skating 2D on The Awful Facts of Life, played Regine. And they're having an exchange in what happens to have been the first episode. And listen to what the Queen Latifah character, Khadija, says to Regine. All I want is the best. I mean, I want a man that knows that fine wine doesn't come with a twist-off cap. You know, I don't know how you got to be so snooty. You ain't but one generation out the project, your damn self. Mike, play, play that again with the your damn self. You know, I don't know how you got to be so snooty. You ain't but one generation out the project, your damn self. That's a black English thing. Nobody thinks about it consciously. But if you think about it, nobody would have said that on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Nobody would have said, well, Rhoda, your damn self. That's a black expression to say your damn self with that accent pattern. And what it means, once again, is look at you, Regine. Let's frame the picture on you. You're accusing this man you're dating of being kind of ghetto. Well, actually, you are just one step from the ghetto, even you, in a way. And so your damn self. It's a funny thing about black English, and I'm going to say this very off the record, <laughs> as if this podcast is somehow not a recording. But I'm going to say this off the record because I don't know if I mean it and I haven't really examined it systematically. But I've also heard it said by one other very expert person on the dialect. And that is that if Yiddish is an inherently witty language, and I've never fully believed that, but it's often said, Black English is very good with the anger. There are all sorts of ways to convey anger in Black English that go all the way down to the grammatical system. It's good at that. And the your damn self would be an example of that very impressionistic thing about Black English that I've always noticed and that I'm sure many other people have. But that is your damn self. And that's one of those things that actually fits into one of our themes on this show. Almost certainly, that started as, you ain't but one generation at the projects, your damn self. It would have started with that and then it becomes your damn self because it becomes a thing. It becomes a set expression. People like it. And there would have been the back shift. Remember how I started introducing that concept way back in the first Lexicon Valley I did that wasn't 
an interview episode and was just me yammering like this. Remember the example? Take Mary Tyler Moore, the Chinese food. So let's have Chinese food instead of Chinese food because it's 1973 and Chinese food isn't a meme, mem. Oh, look at how all these things are coming together. It isn't a mem yet. So listen to Rhoda and Mary and one of Mary's dates who all looked alike and they're talking about Chinese food. Dan, it's not that I don't care for Chinese food! <laughs> Wait, don't tell me. Your father finally found a foolproof lock. Right. Hi, Jonas. Hi, Mary. Uh, guess what we have in here? Yeah, Chinese food. We, we heard you. Uh, listen, Rhoda, when you get upstairs, would you call my father and see if he can come over and let us in? Well, come on up with us and we'll all have Chinese food. Yeah. Why are you so excited about Chinese food? Well, you never had it before. <laughs> Oh. Can you believe this? A man who has never had Chinese food in his whole life? Listen, Rod, I owe you a lot. You're opening up a whole new world for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 what, what did you say that was again? An egg roll. <laughs> <laughs> So what you want to know, how is this a Christmas show? Well, how about how this? Self has the word elf in it. And elves are what Christmas is all about. And you know I'm going to give myself a challenge. Um, is there a show tune that has elf in it other than the musical Elf, which I don't know and don't care to know because I have always been mysteriously immune to the charms of Will Ferrell? All right, here's one. Plain and Fancy. Uh, we're in 1955. It's a musical about the Amish. I've actually used a couple of cuts from it on this show before. And it's one of those things. It, it was very 50s. It wasn't that special, but it grows on you if you don't have enough to do in your 20s and you listen to the album too many times. And the word elf does pop up in one of the early numbers where this vanilla 50s couple are trying to find the small Amish town bird in hand. This is just so that we can hear the word elf used. We were doing fine on the Pennsylvania Turnpike where the toll gates and the Howard Johnsons grow. But we wandered off the Pennsylvania Turnpike that was several years ago We were searching for a little town called Bird in Hand Near a Pennsylvania county known as Burks If there's anybody here who's ever heard of Bird in Hand Will he please for Pete's sake tell us where it lurks You've got a road map, mister Can't you find it on the road map? On the road map it's a cinch, my little elf What eludes us is the town did you say bird in hand? Yes, yes. It's very simple, lady. I can tell you how to get there. Past the second traffic light, you see a barn that's big and white. Take the highway to the right. You <laughs> Little elf, that lead was never heard from again. No, we're not going to end with that. Let's go back to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Our producer is, as always, Mike Volo. Go to booksmartstudios at gmail.com to leave questions. Part of being a bonus member of Lexicon Valley is that you can leave questions, and every couple of weeks I will answer a few of them, and I really enjoy it, but I've got to have the questions. Our theme music was created by Harvest Creative Services. The next book, by the way, folks, is Pronoun Trouble. I'm guessing the fall, and I am John McWhorter. 
Hang a shining star upon the highest bar. 